Though they came up just short in Cincinnati, the Seahawks turned in another stellar performance on the defensive side of the football with Jamal Adams and company all healthy now. Is this a championship caliber defense in the making? Rob Rang and I are going to be discussing and debating on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, the host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for our Tuesday episode by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening just north of where my neck of the woods is currently in Fort Collins, Colorado, or in Birmingham, Alabama. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you making Locked On Seahawks our first listen five days a week. Today, we're going to be dishing out our Tell the Truth Tuesday words of wisdom. Some final thoughts coming out of Sunday's game, maybe looking forward to this weekend's matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. And speaking of those Cardinals, we'll take a first look at what's new. And there's a lot that's new in the desert for the 1-5 in five Cardinals, whether it's coaches, players, people in the front office, you name it. It has been a full turnaround for the Arizona Cardinals and they're early in a rebuild. We'll be taking a first look at them. It's going to be a jam-packed episode coming your way, courtesy of our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks fell to 3-2 and two on Sunday with a close 17-13 to 13 defeat at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. Certainly a disappointing loss, but... If there was a silver lining, there is a significant one, and that is the continued stellar play from a defense that suddenly is fully healthy for the most part. They got Jamal Adams back. Draymond Jones is playing like a 50-plus million-dollar player in the trenches. The linebackers are balling. Devin Witherspoon looks like a front runner for Rookie of the Year. Suddenly, a defense that got off to a rough start has looked pretty darn good these last couple of weeks. And with the fact that they're adding players like Jamal Adams back into the fold to a defense that was already improving before those returns off the injury list, Rob, it's worth wondering, are the Seahawks building a defense right now that by the end of the season could be a championship caliber unit when you consider the blend of veterans and young players they have at all three levels of this defense? You know, I, I think that there's a, a strong argument to be made that this is a defense that can be a Super Bowl caliber squad. Now, you know, when we first uh, discussed this idea off the air, I, I kind of scoffed at the notion. I, I just looked at uh, the level of competition that the Seahawks have played to this point. I mean, obviously, Seattle was able to pad their statistics against the New York Giants a week ago. And the Cincinnati Bengals, look, with all due respect to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, the head coach, Zach Taylor, play caller who I have a great deal of respect for the fact that their star left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. went down with an injury early in that game the fact that uh, they had the wide receiver T. Higgins coming back from injury the running back Joe Mixon has not demonstrated the same explosiveness that we have seen before I, again I kind of scoffed at it and then I started looking a little bit closer at some of the numbers uh, you know if you look at those of you who are watching on YouTube can just see what uh, we have up here the Seahawks have allowed just 10 points per game 
game over the last couple of uh, contests. They have 14 sacks over that time. They're averaging 3.6 yards per rush by the opponent over that time. But, you know, I'm going to look at more of the statistics over the entire season, comparing this last, the, the only time that the Seahawks won the Super Bowl way back in 2013 compared to this current roster. And, you know, the one thing that uh, I think is a similarity, we're going to be talking about this a little bit more later, is that uh, the secondary certainly is shaping up to be very, very formidable. Now, is it the legend, is it the Legion of Boom caliber? defense well again let's go back 10 years ago and the legion of boom that year in 2013 led all of the nfl interceptions they had 28 in 16 regular season games absolutely spectacular number and right now the seahawks currently have four interceptions in five games so that would suggest that maybe we are kind of putting the 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 cart ahead of the horse a little bit with this conversation but again let's dig a little bit deeper you know, that squad, 2013, the one that won the, the hoisted the Super Bowl uh, trophy, you know, the Lombardi trophy. I mean, they only had two players, Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, who had more than five and a half sacks. They only had five players that had more than two sacks. The Seahawks currently have seven players that have at least two sacks. And of course, we're only, you know, five games into the season. Um, as I mentioned before, it was Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. So one interior pass rusher, one exterior pass rusher. Right now, the Seahawks are led by Jaron Reed with three sacks, Boye Mafe with three sacks. So again, an, an interior and an exterior pass rusher. They have, and both of those guys with the three sacks so far in five games are on pace to potentially, uh, you know, go for double-digit sacks. So from a sack perspective, it is very similar, perhaps even an upgrade over that 2013 squad. That, that 2013 squad averaged 3.9 yards per rush allowed against opponents. This one is averaging 3.2 yards per rush allowed. Now, again, it remains to be you know, seeing how the CX can be able to perform against a team like, say, the Dallas Cowboys, obviously the San Francisco 49ers, a divisional opponent. There are a lot of very difficult teams that the Seahawks still have to face this season. But Corbin, you asked the question, is this trending in the direction of a possible Super Bowl caliber defense? I think that the, the evidence suggests that it absolutely is. Yeah, and I would tend to agree with that as well. But but looking at this team, you know, you mentioned the pass rush, and I'm just going to say this right now. I I cannot believe I'm saying this here in mid October, but it just feels like we are deep enough in the season now. And again, you mentioned the Cowboys, the 49ers, some of the teams the Seahawks are going to be playing. That is really going to be the litmus test for this run defense. But it really does feel like right now that this defensive line is emerging as a quiet strength for this football team. And I just didn't think that I would be saying, I mean, Jaron Reed is playing arguably the best football of his career right now. Draymond Jones is starting to turn things on. He's only got two sacks, but if you've been watching the last couple of games, he's making a lot of splash plays. He's getting the job done against the run. I think he has been one of the big catalysts against the run. They've been moving him all over the line of scrimmage. He's making great plays. He just doesn't get enough pub for that, but Mario Edwards has been fantastic. I thought he played well again on Sunday. They're getting contributions from Cameron Young, Miles Adams. The guys on the edge, uh, except for Daryl Taylor, everybody else. I mean, Derek Hall had a couple of nice run stops the other day. So they are getting good production from that entire defensive line. And that is what gives me some optimism that this can be a, a championship caliber defense by the time we get to the end of the season. Because I think the linebackers, Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, 
they're about as good as you're going to find in the NFC right now. Seattle's got a really good linebacker core. Devin Bush would start for a lot of teams in the NFC, and he was a healthy scratch the other day because they don't have a spot for him to play right now. And then in the secondary, getting Jamal Adams back, just what a difference that that's already making for the Seahawks here, the first two games that he has been out in the lineup. The things that they are able to do personnel-wise with him out there, utilizing him correctly, moving around, letting him be the aggressive maniac that number 33 is. Devin Witherspoon already has seven pass breakups slash interceptions already in his first four games. He has been a freak in his first four games in the NFL Reek Wollen gave up a couple touchdowns the other day, but he had a pass breakup. Feels like he's still trying to get his feet underneath him. I'm still expecting a couple big games coming up from him. Quandre Diggs, they're moving him all over the place. He had his best game of the season the other day in Cincinnati. Led the team in tackles. They were playing him some in the box, and he was smacking people. So I can just keep listing off names. Julian Love is playing better. So I think when you look at all the pieces that are there, the mix of experience and youth, this definitely can be a championship caliber defense now. If you look at where they rank uh, among the league right now, there are clearly areas for improvement. The third down defense and red zone defense, those are not championship defense numbers. When you are giving up touchdowns, 90% of the time that teams are getting into your red zone, that is a disastrous number, nine out of 10 times. Third down defense, even with going three for 11 the other day against the Bengals or forcing them to go three for 11, they're still 30th at 48.7%. So the run defense has been fantastic. They're tied for sixth in sacks. The points per game and pass defense both have improved a ton the last couple of weeks. So they're now in the middle of the pack, respectable 18th and 17th. Turnovers, they're 18th. They're going to be fine in that category. But Really, that to me is what jumps out when you look at the numbers is they've got to get better situational football-wise. We are seeing, at least with the third down stuff, that there are some strides being made after a really bad start there, but they got to figure out the red zone stuff. I guess it's nice when you don't get in the red zone very often. The Bengals only were there twice. They scored touchdowns both times, but Seattle kept them out of there the rest of the game. So I'd rather see that than have eight red zone trips. They get a bunch of field goals off of it. So I guess I'm nitpicking a little bit, but I definitely think that this can be a championship caliber defense. There are still some clear areas for improvement for Clint Hurd's squad as well. When we come back, it's Tell the Truth Tuesday. We're going to be dishing out some words of wisdom coming out of Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe taking a peek forward to Sunday, the first match of the year against the Arizona Cardinals. Don't go away. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of twists and turns and throw a few wrenches at you when you least expect it, so it's important to show yourself through it all and put a focus on your mental health. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me when I was battling through some issues earlier in my professional career, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself, and BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. 
Missing the syrup for your pancakes or just ran out of your favorite coffee creamer? With DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or will make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. Want even more value? You can save all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first order up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Limited time offer and terms do apply, but let's be clear, that's 50% off. Up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNFL. Again, don't forget, that's LOCKEDONNFL for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget tomorrow, it's Matchup Wednesday, and we always are looking forward to looking at division rivals. Seahawks Cardinals will be looking at the key positional battles to watch on offense and defense for both teams. You won't want to miss it. It is Tell the Truth Tuesday, and as we do each and every Tuesday, it's time to dish out some final thoughts or final words of wisdom coming out of the previous game, looking towards the upcoming game, or it can be a more big-picture topic as well. Rob, going to give you the mic first, and I know that more so than regularly on Tell the Truth Tuesday, you have been chomping at the bit to get to some of your topics today. So, sir, I'm going to give you the mic here first. What are the first words of wisdom that you're going to impart here to open up Tell the Truth Tuesday? Well, I always appreciate it, Corbin. Thank you very much. And I have been kind of chomping at the bit a little bit because I feel like, you know, myself and others have been overly critical about Seattle's offensive line play um, and, and the, the impact that it had in Seattle's loss this past weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that we need to kind of take a step back and remember that these are an awful lot of players who are coming off of injuries that were being forced to move into different positions that suffered injuries against the Bengals and yet showed a great deal of toughness and just being able to kind of gut it out to be able to get through that football game. And one player in particular that I want to mention is Phil Haynes, who was asked to play at the left guard position. And there were definitely some moments in which he struggled. Um, but at the same time, there were some moments in which he excelled as well. And I have not heard anybody talk about some of the moments in which he excelled. You know, Corbin, the, the longest run from scrimmage that was in that game from either the Seattle perspective or the Cincinnati perspective was a 21-yard jump by Kenneth Walker III right up the middle, right behind left guard Phil Haynes, who absolutely crushed the biggest lineman that the Cincinnati Bengals have, a young man named Jonah Tavai, who is listed at 6'3", 340 pounds, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is even bigger than that. And Phil Haynes moved him like it was nothing. He played very good pass protection most of the game in which he was one-on-one. -on -one. 
he did have again one significant miss where uh a player was able to kind of just do a quick swim move over the top of him and there definitely were some struggles between he and charles cross and just the communication between some twists and some stunts but still i thought that phil haynes considering that most of his nfl career he's been playing at the right guard position that injuries to damian lewis forced him to move over that left guard position the seahawks had to expect that there was going to be some growing pains considering the move to a new spot and the fact that phil haynes himself has struggled with injuries but i thought that he overall he played reasonably well certainly should not be the uh you know the whipping boy that he has become a little bit in this case in terms of the seahawks and the reason why they lost was because of the the sacks that he or perhaps some of the seahawks other offensive linemen allowed in that contest I feel like my first take today is kind of like grabbing the low-hanging fruit because Jake Bobo has truly been a fan favorite since training camp and the preseason. And, you know, you and I have seen this a lot. Obviously, the Seahawks have had a lot of undrafted rookies that have played well in regular season games. Your Doug Baldwin's, your Jermaine Curses, your Puna Fords of the world. But there have been plenty of examples of guys that had great preseason and training camp and made the team and then just kind of disappeared in the regular season. You didn't see much from them. That has happened plenty of times. But Jake Bobo is not fitting that bill. Now, I know he's only made four catches, and some might view this statement as hyperbole, but I do not think that it is hyperbole. I, I completely 100% believe this. Jake Bobo has been the best receiver, the best rookie receiver for the Seattle Seahawks this year. Not Jackson Smith and Jigba. It has been Jake Bobo. And there's a few reasons why I believe that. For one, when Bobo has had his opportunities, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I feel like the Seahawks have force-fed him at times, trying to get him the football. They're not doing that with Jake Bobo, but when he's getting his chances, we saw on Sunday, both the targets he had went for at least 20 yards, and one of those catches, he had to high point the football, and, and I know he's 6'4", but Geno Smith airmailed that throw, and he went up and still plucked it out of the air and took a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit and got right up with a smile on his face, a 20-yard grab. The catch he had before that, he got all the way down to the Bengals' five-yard line and broke four tackles. He was dragging dudes down to the five-yard line and again got up with a huge smile on his face. And, oh, by the way, Ken Walker, the third's touchdown, who was the lead blocker out in front of him on that play after motioning I've seen a few people comment today. Well, he he didn't even make the block till Ken Walker III was in the end zone. That doesn't matter. Ken Walker III was running right behind him. And if you watch the block after the fact, he smacked Dax Hill there on that play. Dax Hill's a physical football player. He got up the into the hole, mashed the guy. So the blocking, the receiving, and the special teams contributions, he has been Seattle's best rookie receiver to this point. I don't know that it lasts how, how long it lasts, because Jack Smith and Jigba is a very talented player. At the same time, with each passing game, it feels like Geno Smith is looking more for Jake Bobo, and why not with what he's doing out there on the field right now? Yeah, I, I have to 100% agree with you. I mean – Jake Bobo was the one who's actually making plays. JSN is the one who uh, Seattle is trying to get to make plays, but just the enthusiasm factor. I mean, you you mentioned about the the big plays that Bobo has made as a receiver, the lead blocker. He it just he has a little bit of a juice to him, a little bit of excitement about him. It looks like he's having fun out there rather than kind of that deer in the headlights look that I've seen far too often with Jackson Smith and Jigba. And it's the big play potential is kind of the perfect. Uh, 
uh, you know, transition here to where I want to mention um, with Big Play Trey. And I think that he is continuing to earn that nickname. The the interception that he had against Joe Burrow, um, and I believe it was Jamar Chase, perhaps it was T. Higgins, but it was a deep ball in which he turns and locates the ball at the absolute most critical moment and then just shows his natural ball skills. To me, that was an exceptional play that we don't often see from cornerbacks. You know, it's the, the, the reputation is that if you play cornerback, it's because you don't have good enough hands to play wide receiver. But he adjusted to the football, made that interception. It was a critical point in the football game for the Seahawks. Of course, he had this, he's leading the, the Seahawks in, in interceptions so far this season with two. As I mentioned, Seattle only has four over the first five games so far this season. And so, you know, big play Trey again is absolutely earning that uh that that re- that nickname for himself. He's earning himself more playing time. I thought this was a game that it would have made sense for the Seahawks to start Mike Jackson on the outside. Um, just because I like his physicality against a big wide receiver like the the Bengals were getting back in T. Higgins. But Trey Brown, his ability to make big plays, uh, to absolutely turn the game on its head a little bit, I think is going to force the Seahawks to can keep Trey Brown on the field. Now, again, like Phil Haynes, I mentioned before, there are some moments where he struggles, but at the same time, you can erase a lot of bad plays when you make an exceptionally good play for your defense. Yeah, and I think that this goes perfectly with my second point here. This Seahawks defense, I don't care what anybody says. You you can say putting the number five overall pick in the slot is a waste of time, but if you've watched the last two games, I don't think there has been anything more instrumental to the Seahawks defense suddenly being potent the last two games than Devin Witherspoon playing in the slot. Everything around him has gotten better, not just because of the plays he's making on his own. We've seen the blitzing ability, the interception return for a touchdown, a bunch of pass breakups, the hard hitting. He can do it all in the slot, and he's got the perfect skill set to play in there. And I think in today's NFL, we've discussed this previously. I didn't have an issue with him playing in the slot before the season started because I felt like he could be an incredibly disruptive player And that is a position where you're going to see a lot of really good receivers in today's NFL, particularly in the NFC West. And so his presence, that has kind of made this entire defense function at the peak level these last couple of games, especially when you get Jamal Adams back out there, the amount of flexibility that they have in their secondary when you can move Quandre Diggs down into the box. It's also the big hits that he made. He played six snaps in the box He played a couple snaps in the slot this last game. It allows Trey Brown, who's playing the best football of his career, to be on the field at the other outside corner spot. You can mix and match where you put Julian Love. That is when this secondary is at its best, when you have that multiplicity. And so Witherspoon is not just the individual production, but what he is allowing Clint Hurt to do with all these other pieces as a chess master. And we're seeing it now play out with success on the field. Yeah, you basically took the words right out of my mouth in that regard. I think that this is the most physical defense, at least the most physical secondary that the Seahawks have featured since the that legendary Legion of Boom defense. And a great deal of that certainly is the rookie Devin Witherspoon and, and what he has been able to provide. I mean, again, like I mentioned before with Jake Boba, just the enthusiasm, the juice that Witherspoon is providing. I think that Jamal Adams is a big part of that as well. Again, it's it was only one play, but that tackle 
tackle for loss that he had uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals this past week. I mean, it was a beeline. His uh, acceleration, his, his ability to close on the football is truly a special trait. Um, it's one of the biggest reasons why the Seahawks made the trade that they did. You, you see it while he has not yet got home for a sack. You just see his ability to close downhill and be able to create forceful, impactful tackles. And it just gives like a jolt of electricity to the rest of the Seattle defense. You mentioned Quandre Diggs. I mean, some of the biggest hits that he supplied so far this season have been in the last couple of games. Again, of course, Devin Witherspoon. I mean, he's been absolutely spectacular. Tariq Woolen, while he gave up those two touchdowns early on, he it seemed like he ratcheted up his physicality in this game as well. To me, that's one of the most exciting things about the Seahawks secondary so far this season, Corbin, is that it's not, again, the, the, the interceptions haven't been there. They have four interceptions in five games. They've got a long ways to go in terms of if they're going to be the ball hawking defense that the true Legion of Boom was, at least in, during their Super Bowl era. But this is a team that is starting to creep up in terms of the physicality that the Cam Chancellors and the Earl Thomases and certainly the Richard Shermans provided the Seahawks in the secondary. If Seattle can match that type of physicality, I do think that the there is no ceiling for this defense in the secondary in terms of their ability to shut down opposing receivers and tight ends. And to your point before about Devin Witherspoon in the slot, I think that, that it just makes him that much more valuable because, again, so many of the best receivers in the NFL anymore, they are moving to the slot, including, of course, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, the two most dangerous wide receivers in the NFC West that don't wear Seattle blue. Yeah, that's a very good point. And again, it all boils down to positional value changing in today's NFL. The slot position, the slot cornerback spot 15 years ago probably is wasting a talented player. Now, I can make an argument that you want to put your best corner there. The Rams were doing it with Jalen Ramsey the last couple of years because the position has become incredibly important in today's NFL with all the pass happiness out there. And if there's truly a big winner after this season with Trey Brown, Devin Witherspoon, and all this young talent that's being developed in Seattle, we saw Sean Desai become the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. and He is doing a great job there. There are going to be a lot of teams lining up as long as this trend continues. There are going to be a lot of teams lining up for Carl Scott as a defensive coordinator next year. His name is going to be a hot ticket. They're going to look at that resume, look at all these players that he's developed. I can tell you, yeah, Pete Carroll's been involved, but if you've watched the practices, you know how players respond to this guy. And, oh, by the way, I have been at a couple of his coaching clinics before. The guy is a brainiac. He knows everything about defensive schematics. He was on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama for a few years and was one of their brain children on that staff. So he has all the ingredients, and he's a young coach too. So if there's a big winner from this group that isn't on the field that is helping this unit play the way they are, it's Carl Scott, who has had a very hands-on approach with this young quarterback group, and he is doing a fantastic job developing these players. Up next, we're going to be looking towards Week 7, Arizona Cardinals coming to Lumen Field for their first matchup against their division rivals. What's new with the Cardinals? Hopefully we can fit it all into one segment with all the changes going on in the desert. Don't go away. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends at Game Time. If you've ever been on the hunt for sports or concert tickets at the last minute, the process can be anxiety provoking. If you're like me, you're lucky that you don't have hair because you'd be pulling it out. But buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way 
to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you're wanting to see the Seahawks face off against the Cardinals at Lumen Field next weekend, using Game Time's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, you can find awesome seats for under 75 bucks right now, and it's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and they also offer their Game Time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. It's your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there for tuning in and making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. With it being football season, make sure to check out on Friday, Locked on NFL kickoff live each Friday. Locked on will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern with hosts Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs breaking down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked on NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked on NFL YouTube channel. Fast forwarding now to week seven. It's time to put this defeat behind us. There was a lot of positives, even though the Seahawks lost in Cincinnati, but it's still a loss. There is no such thing as a moral victory in the NFL. So it is time to flip the switch to the Arizona Cardinals, who will be coming to Seattle this weekend with a 1-5 record, had probably their roughest game of the season last weekend against the Rams, were close in the game, and then it got away from them in the second half, just couldn't put points on the board. They were without their starting running back. So there's certainly some injuries starting to stack up for this football team, and they already were at a talent disadvantage. And yet, Jonathan Gannon, the new coach, he's got this team playing hard every single week, Rob, and that is always the biggest battle when you're coming into the league as a new head, first-time head coach. you got to get guys to buy in. And even though they've only won one game so far, it does seem like the players have bought in and they are playing really hard for their new coach. They absolutely are. Um, and Jonathan Gannon, of course, was the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia, the job that Sean Desai took over, as we mentioned a moment ago. Um, so you you can't get a more different style of head coach than a, a former defensive coordinator than Cliff Kingsbury, of course, who was the head coach and you know previously was a, an offensive guru at, at Texas Tech, uh, you know, and in previous college stops. Um, so right off the bat, the head coach position. And certainly it's different. Uh, the Cardinals, of course, a year ago had Kyler Murray at quarterback. He is recovering from a torn ACL, suffered in December, a season ago. Now they've got Joshua Dobbs at the quarterback position. Um, you know, a year ago, the Cardinals leading wide receiver in terms of uh, receiving yards was DeAndre Hopkins. Now it's a combination of Marquise Hollywood Brown and, and a third round rookie and in uh, in Marquise um, Williams, excuse me, uh, Marcus Williams. Um, and and then you and the pass rush, uh, excuse me, Michael Wilson. I'm sorry at the at the wide receiver position. And then the pass rusher. Uh, you know, a year ago it was JJ Watt. It was Zach Allen. It was uh, you know Anthony or excuse me Isaiah Simmons that had uh, you know. 
led the Cardinals in sacks. Now it's, you know, household names like Dennis Gardick and Victor Dimukeji um, that are leading the Cardinals in sacks. Um, but to your point, Corbin, while these are not names that are necessarily recognizable, I mean, heck, I just flustered a couple of them myself and I get paid to do this. At the same time, they are playing very hard for Jonathan Cannon. So a tip of the cap, if the Seahawks don't play well, don't don't come into this game committed as, the, you know, obviously they had their struggles against the LA Rams in the second half uh, of the season opener, then they could wind up being disappointed yet again, and they cannot afford to start the season 0-2 in their own division. Yeah, this is a team that definitely can come into Seattle and win, and they already beat the Dallas Cowboys. That is worth noting. Their one victory was against the Dallas Cowboys, who are 4-2, and two, and other, otherwise, away from that 49ers debacle a few weeks ago, the Cowboys have been one of the better teams in the NFC, but the Cardinals beat them. They were in the running to beat the 49ers a few weeks ago and just couldn't get enough stops on defense, but they put some points on the board. Joshua Dobbs, I think, has done an impressive job as the fill-in quarterback running this offense. And again, it just seems like the players have bought in. But you mentioned some of the names that they have lost. I mean, they released DeAndre Hopkins. He goes to Tennessee. Uh, Buda Baker's on injured reserve right now, so the Seahawks are not, not going to have to worry about him. We won't be seeing DK Metcalf. Well, we wouldn't want to see this again anyway, but we won't be seeing him chase after him 90 yards to catch him before he gets a pick six. But there are some big names that are not going to be out there, even guys that are still on the roster. And, of course, as you mentioned, Kyler Murray not being there, but Joshua Dobbs has played well. I think maybe the biggest, uh, biggest player that's going to be missing in this football game, though, in terms of players that are on the roster – James Conner landed on injured reserve a few weeks ago, and we talked about this leading up to the Bengals game. The Bengals were actually losing to them a couple weeks ago early in the game because they were having a hard time slowing down James Conner, and then he got hurt in that game. Now he's on injured reserve. That is a huge talent drop-off for the Cardinals at the running back position without him available. They have a couple other capable reserve backs, but throwing them in as workhorses, they don't have a workhorse on this football team right now. So that is a massive loss. He was one of the big reasons this offense was staying afloat, exceeding expectations early, and they certainly missed him a bunch against the Rams. So that might be the injury that's most pressing, even though Buda Baker is the star, the big name safety. They are really missing James Conner in the backfield. And if you want to look at the running backs don't matter thing, look at what the Cardinals offense looked like without him the last six quarters. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, you know, I, I think that James Conner is one of those players that uh, just plays with his heart on his sleeve. Um, if you know anything about his background, um, you know, fighting through uh, being diagnosed with leukemia back in college at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, he just plays with that type of gritty uh, toughness that uh, I, I think that just um, is able to kind of galvanize his teammates. And so the Cardinals are losing talent. They're losing toughness with the loss of, of James Conner. So that is a significant loss for the Cardinals. Look, they, they still have some talented backs. There's no question about it. But still, of the team, of the players that are still on, on this roster and we just went through a litany of players that are no longer on this roster but to me you just mentioned the two that are a significant loss for the Cardinals Buda Baker on the defensive side of the ball obviously in the secondary former University of Washington star and then James Conner it basically just puts that much more pressure on Joshua Dobbs on Hollywood Brown at wide receiver um, and then again on a splashy rookie Michael Wilson who I'm very very high on but still considering the way the Seahawks defense has been playing over these last couple of games 
this does feel like that much bigger of a test for the Cardinals to be able to come into Lumen Field and be able to escape Seattle with any kind of victory. I still think the receiver position, though, and we'll have more time to talk about this tomorrow, but I still feel like the receiver position with what Wilson's doing right now as a rookie and Rondale Moore is still a player that can do a lot of damage in a number of different ways. And Hollywood Brown can be a quality number one receiver. His career has been kind of hit and miss in that regard, but he's got big play ability. So there's still playmakers there on the outside. But the loss of James Conner, that is certainly going to be a big one going into this game for the Cardinals. If they're looking to get their run game going, it's going to be a lot tougher without that battering ram who historically has had some decent games against the Seahawks in the past as well. But this is a team that's got a lot of young players that are playing right now. They have a few rookies that have been on injured reserve that maybe are going to have a chance to get back this week. We'll be diving into more of that on tomorrow's episode. But Jonathan Gannon's got this team playing hard. That's the first battle. And again, if you're sleeping on this team, just ask the Dallas Cowboys. If you try to sleepwalk in a game against this team, you're going to get beat because they are going to play hard. They are going to try to play fundamentally sound. And that's the thing I've noticed with this team is they haven't shot them in, themselves in the foot as much as some of your teams that have four or five losses. Like They have been in every game for the most part. Even this last weekend, before things fell apart in the second half, they were giving the Rams a really good fight for the first couple quarters. So this is a much better team than the record indicates. They're going to play you tough. There's going to be consistent effort on all three phases of the game. So the Seahawks are going to need to be ready. And we'll dive into a bunch of those key matchups tomorrow Looking forward to this divisional matchup coming up at Lumen Field on Sunday. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. As we've mentioned a few times, Matchup Wednesday returns tomorrow. We'll be breaking down all the key positional battles on offense, defense, and maybe even sprinkling some special teams in leading up to Sunday's first match of the season between the Seahawks and the Cardinals, you won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.